I know, I know, I won't, I won't give up my day job, but every time Pat does one of these children's messages, I think this is my day job to do those little dance things. So, <laughs> all right. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As we consider things today, I want us to consider comfort God's way. Comfort God's way. So if we think about comfort God's way, what I'd like for us to think about are, are three ways that God gives it to us and three ways that we like to get it maybe outside of God. Comfort our way. So for comfort, God's way, it comes through facing, through repentance, and through submission or dependence. Comfort, our way, comes through avoidance, distraction, and control. Does that make sense to you? So first thing we want to do is we want to start with facing. So we find our comfort, God's way, by facing what's going on. So for me to do that would be where I would simply take a little mirror to see what it is that I look like. Oh, got a few people that would be upset with me today. Not straight. There we go. All right. That's better. Is that better? That's better. Okay. So, so you kind of have to look and see what you look like. Now, if we go back to the people... In Isaiah's day, what, what was it that they looked like? Well, they were people who were, again, in chapter 1, God basically says, you're not as smart as an ox or a donkey. They know where to look to find their provision, but you don't. Okay? Then they go and they rage against God. They want to do their own thing. And so eventually, God's going to allow those Assyrians to take the northern kingdom away. And the Babylonians will come and take the southern kingdom away. The exile is coming and so they're going to be people who need comfort. Do you need comfort? It's a good friend of, of mine that just had a, uh, a horrible health situation happen to them. They're much younger than I am, over, I think over 20 years younger than I am, and a horrible health situation. And it's the third horrible health situation that they have had now to endure, along with some other things. I've also heard this last week, as I got a message from the family, where, where one of our members, Dolores, she now, her whole group in her nursing home had COVID, so she was sent down to another place, and now she's had some strokes and is unable to move her jaw and unable then to speak. She and her family need comfort. What is it we need comfort from? What is it that the people of Israel needed comfort from? They needed comfort because their sins and the consequences of their sins, God said, follow me and things will go great. Don't go after any other gods. And what did Israel do? Went after other gods all the time. And so because of it, they would be thrown into exile. And so if you look at those verses from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, what you'll see is what they needed was comfort because of their exile, because of their sin. 
what they needed was to see their sin and that that price for their sin had been paid for. Do you see where it says there that, that it's been doubly paid for? We'll get to that in just a minute. They need to see that they're like grass. They're unable to accomplish anything. They fade, they wither, they, they just fall apart. They're unable to pay for their iniquities and make the changes that will ultimately bring comfort. I'm just reminded of those three parts. I'm going to give these to you. You know how um, God gave the children of Israel enough um, meat, I think it was quail, that he said, I'm going to give you so much, it's going to come out of your nose. Okay, I'm going to give you so much that you're just going to like hate it. There's so much quail. You, you begged me for meat, I'm going to give you so much that you just can't handle it anymore. I feel like I'm going to give you these three points so much that you're like, I got it, Pastor. Don't give me any more. Okay? But I want you to have these. They're really important. Number one, God is a creator. Therefore, we are dependent. Number two, something's important. What's important? Relationships. They're primary. Number three, God is in charge. Okay? Those three things are really important. So when I recognize and I look at myself and I say, let me see, how many times now have I tried to handle my sin on my own? Hundreds of thousands of times, right? How has that gone? Not so well, right? Maybe I should get someone to walk alongside me that I could talk to that we could actually work these things out because when I have someone else involved, it's not a secret and then Satan doesn't have the power over me anymore. Because as you look around the room, let's just scan the room really quick. In and of themselves, outside of Jesus, as you scan the room, who here is perfect outside of Jesus? Can you say their name a little louder? No one. No one. Whoa, that's a bold statement. Is that true? No one? Betty, is Richard perfect? He is. Just what Richard wanted to hear. Checks in the mail, Betty. Checks in the mail. Is that true, Richard? No. Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. So, but it's fun to say that. Thank you. So, if we think about it, that we're all a mess, then when I look and I look to someone else to help me walk through things because I see myself as lacking and I can't make things right. People of Israel, when they're in Babylon, could they free themselves? No. Can you free yourself from sin and its struggle and the strain it has on you. Can you? No. They desperately needed someone to intervene. They needed the God who's in charge. Do you know how that God did that? He sent Cyrus, this Persian king, to come in and to get rid of the, those other leaders, the Babylonian leaders, and to send God's people back. Well, who sent Cyrus? God did. God actually calls Cyrus my anointed one. Isn't that awesome? Our God is in control. I'm not. I need his body. I need him. I need to moment by moment, day by day, and everything be dependent on him. We are, in the last three verses, verses 9 through 11, we are sheep who need a shepherd. Because, you see, we continue to stray. And there's a little, a little prayer by Scotty Smith. And I love this part. Do you ever, 
Do you ever, are you ever curious? Okay, so we confess our sins, and then we take communion for the forgiveness of our sins, and then I tell you that you should repent on a daily basis for the forgiveness of sins. It's like, when Jesus died for me, and I was baptized, weren't all my sins forgiven? So what's going on here with all of this? And I love how he says it in such a small way that's so powerful. Listen to what he says. When I confess my sins and ask your forgiveness, O God, I don't get more or new forgiveness. I humble myself and appropriate the forgiveness that you've already given me. I humble myself to receive what you've already given. Jesus, you're not informed by my confession of sin. You know it's a lot worse than I realize. You also know that your grace and forgiveness are far more abounding and thorough than I realize. Yes, I was forgiven in my baptism, but do I still commit sins? Yes. Do I feel bad about those sins? Yes, by the power of the Holy Spirit working within me. So what do I need? I need to appropriate the forgiveness He's already given me and bring it to my account and live now forgiven. None of that will happen if I don't take a look at myself. See, what's the world's way of finding comfort? Boy, I think I feel bad right now. There, now I feel better. Now I don't have to look at myself. Now I can just help you see how bad you are. See how bad you are? Look at all that change you have to do. I'm just fine now. See, I can't even see how I look. Do you ever do this? Do we ever try and find comfort in our lives by avoiding rather than facing? And how we face ourselves isn't simply by a mirror. That's good. But this is so much better. What endures forever is, yes, the beauty of the scriptures that remind us that we are loved and forgiven, precious in God's sight. You know what else endures forever? This word of law that reminds us that our God is a holy God. And it stands there because he loves us. It's a good gift to us to know how we might thrive and live well under him in his kingdom. And this, if you want to see how you really look, just open the pages and start looking at the scriptures and what God calls for us to do as he is in charge. And you'll see how woefully all of us fall short and how desperately we need to depend on him constantly. Tools to help us face, not forget, not avoid. Well, what's next? Next would be repentance. And repentance is just beautiful. And it's shown in Isaiah 30. And I want you to hear these verses. This is 10 chapters earlier in Isaiah. And he says this, Woe to the obstinate children. Have your children ever been obstinate? Right? They do, right? What's the two things? I'll share this with you over and over again because I just love it. What are the two things you as parents need to do? Obey. 
Let them know that you love them completely, unconditionally, that they are accepted by you. Number one, some, sadly, some of you haven't had that privilege. And I'm sorry. Number two, remind them that they can't get their way. (laughs) And isn't that what God is like? Doesn't he let you know over and over and over again through the sacrament, through the word preached, through his word to us that he loves and accepts you because of Jesus? And you can't have your own way. Because that's really what's best for you. But listen to what he writes. He says, You Israelites, woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame, Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. When they go to Egypt for help, when they go to Egypt for protection, you know what they're doing? They're saying, I'm going to turn from trusting my God to trusting something else, which is going to remind us of the third word. Will I submit to my God or will I seek to control it my way? Kings of Israel did this. They would say, I'll be in control. I'm going to choose this other country to make an alliance with to bring help when I need it, rather than firmly trusting my God who has shown himself faithful all these times to take care of us. Do we ever struggle with that? Do we need to repent? Listen to what it goes on to say in these verses says this, These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, See no more visions. And to the prophets, Give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way and get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Don't tell me I'm a sinner, Pastor. Just tell me that I look good today, that God loves me all the time, no matter what. And don't really worry about my, about my sins. It's okay. You're just really good all by yourself. You're such a nice guy. Well, I really like you. I talk to my dog like that. Okay? But we want that, don't we? We just want that. I want to be treated like a dog. Just love me, pet me, be nice to me, feed me, give me the treats, all that good stuff. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Don't tell me I need to repent. Don't tell me I need to turn. If you look at those following verses, I encourage you to read chapter 30 of Isaiah as it goes on. It just continue to, to re, continues to remind God's people that they have fallen short. And the reason they'll go into exile is because they've fallen short. But the more we, instead of doing repentance, Try to find comfort. You see, when I do comfort God's way, I'll face it, I'll repent, and then I'll submit. But when I try and find comfort my way, I'll first avoid it, and then instead of actually owning my stuff, I'll just distract myself. In America, you know what the beautiful thing is? We've got more things to distract ourselves with than you can shake a stick at. 
don't you have like 25 different things you could do this afternoon to distract yourself from thinking about your need for God? How many channels on your TV do you have? How many things can you do on your computer? How many people can you call? How many entertainment places can you still go to? Pat and I walked around Old Settlers Park last yesterday afternoon. They're putting some big show on, or they have already had it maybe last night. Something's going on up there, okay? There's a lot of outdoor things you can do. There's tons of things that we can get ourselves involved in to distract us from thinking about our need for God. Now, I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here, video or otherwise. Awesome. I'm glad you are. But isn't it still a temptation? Isn't it still a temptation to say, I did my church hour. Check. Now the time is mine. Am I the only one that does that? Did my thing? Now the time is mine. That doesn't seem to fit really well with I've been crucified with Christ and now I no longer live. But Jesus Christ now lives in me. Oh, that's right. My time isn't mine. My time is his. I'm a manager. I'm a manager. I'm a manager. It all belongs to him. And the abundant life is when I can let go of my owning and just be a good manager of what God gives me to manage. Much easier to say up front here than to live outside these doors. And I struggle with it every day. But I'd much rather have you join me struggling with it than just giving into it. So we don't want to avoid and we don't want to just distract ourselves, but we want to face it and repent. And then when we face it and repent, then God announces to us that we are forgiven for Jesus' sake. And we can live in that forgiveness because Jesus died so we might have a double portion. And I like that from Isaiah 61, verse 7. It says this. Instead of their shame, which we should get because of our sins, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. When you and I think of our inheritance, when you and I think of our inheritance, when you and I think of our inheritance, don't you just smile? Living new heavens, new earth, no longer any presence of sin, in the presence of Jesus, living and ruling with him forever. Doesn't that make you smile? Overwhelming joy is our inheritance. Submission. Either I can seek to control everything or I can submit. Submission is... Remembering in these verses that we just read, verses 1 through 2, is God focuses upon restoration, not judgment. He wants to restore us into a right relationship. Do you know what's the one piece of evidence that you can always turn to? Must be me. It's me. 
my mic shut off. I turned it off. Sorry. Anyway, one piece of evidence that will always show us that God wants to restore us is what? The cross. The cross. That's God's tool of restoration. When everything looks backwards, when everything looks horrible, that's when we know that God is for us, on our side, to redeem us. To restore us double because of what Jesus has done. It's not like we have suffered double for what we deserve because the wages of sin is? We haven't died twice, right? It's God being merciful to give us what we don't deserve. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. He personally intervenes. Okay, verses 3 through 5. He personally comes to, be, to intervene. This is the whole John the Baptist preparing the way for us. So God just sends John the Baptist to prepare. His way is open, and he comes. Jesus comes to earth in the form of a human being for us. Nothing stands in the way of God's deliverance. Third one, the next few verses, verses 6 through 8. His purposes, shown by his promises, cannot be thwarted by humans. We don't have the strength, but God does. And finally, he's coming not only with his power, but he's coming with compassion to be our shepherd. Awesome. Power and compassion for you to bring you comfort. Comfort God's way comes by facing it, comes by repentance, and then comes by submitting to God's way, which is all he's in charge, he's in control, we simply depend. What's wrong? What's wrong is when we try to find comfort our way through avoidance, through distraction, and through control. We just don't have it, do we? Thanks be to God. He gives us what we desperately need in his son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.